Well, good evening, everyone, and good evening, Sean McVay. Whether it's a primetime kickoff or a 4 a.m. return to Los Angeles, how are you holding up with uh, less than 12 hours into your week four? Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, any time that you can come away with a win, especially traveling to the East Coast, uh, you know, we'll take it. There's a lot of good things that we can learn from specific to the offense, but uh, 3-0 and is 3-0, and and uh, guys have done a great job, and we're looking forward to building into week four. Yeah, this this ain't the BCS. Style points don't matter. All you got to do is come away with a W, but I know there's a lot of things you want to correct. Yeah, that's exactly right, DeMarco, and, and you know, I think the defense did an outstanding job. I thought special teams were solid for the most part, and then, you know, really with the expectations that we have offensively, you know, I was starting with me, I got to do a better job getting us started earlier, getting us, a, you know, allowing us to get into a rhythm with some better play selections, and then, and then I know that our guys are capable at executing at a higher level consistently throughout the game. What I think says as much as anything about them is their ability to have some tough things occur, not that let, not let those things affect their ability to move forward as demonstrated by their performance in the second half. I was impressed with the environment. My first trip to Cleveland and to see the dog pound, how did it compare to Minnesota or Seattle, New Orleans, some of the other great places we play? It was a great atmosphere. You know, the fans were fired up Sunday night football. Um, you know, you could see that they were, they were, there's a lot of excitement for the Browns in that city. They've always been really a, a big time loyal fan base and they got some exciting players and, and, uh, you know, they're a tough team. How did you feel about Sunday night football going into that matchup? Uh, you know, I felt like we respected that team a lot. You know, the, anytime you play those Sunday night games, you feel like you're waiting for an eternity to play, you know, so it's, a, you know, you always prefer being able to get up and, and kind of get going, but um, it, it was good. You know, we got the win, uh, and, and there was a lot of tough players on that team that we had to defend, think their coaches do a good job, and, and ultimately it's about getting the dub, and, and we did that in all three phases. Taking in week three in the National Football League, I was made aware of the fact that for the first time in NFL history, there were 20 quarterbacks, 26 years of age or younger, including the two that we had on the field last night in Cleveland, starting in the NFL. Wow. I, you just told me that stat, too. I, mean, I, didn't, I did not know that. As someone who works very closely with young quarterbacks, what does that say about the state of the game and how quickly they're growing into these franchise roles? Yeah, I, I think you know, you just mentioned it, JB. It's really, it shows how quickly you can ascend into that upper echelon of, of quarterbacks. There's a lot of young really good playmakers in this league at that position and there's a lot of veteran guys that have kind of set the standard in terms of what it looks like but I think you're starting to see you know a lot of young guys you know referenced by the stat that you just made that are playing at a high level and and you have an appreciation because this is one of the most difficult positions in all sports to play you know Jared's getting better with reps you get better and he's a competitive guy but it seems like maybe defenses are getting better against him does that make sense you know what I would say that there's a couple things that have occurred over the first few weeks that um you know as much I feel as responsible as anybody DeMarco not not getting us and and not putting Jared in some good spots and um you know fortunately for us you know three games isn't when you end the season we've got a lot of opportunities to continue to build and grow and and a lot of these things are are learning ops for us where we could say okay now that we've seen these types of things what can we do at a higher level to execute what are some of the systems or schemes that we want to be able to activate and um, I think he's done a nice job being able to work through some of the things that maybe have played out a little bit different than what the game's uh, you know preparation entailed. Do you mean getting to those plays earlier? Yeah, I like, think so, yeah. and, and really kind of being able to provide clarity on what are some of the things that we're seeing that that maybe was in alignment with our preparation or a little bit different. And uh, ultimately, it's about executing, making sure that we string together good plays, and, and hopefully finish with touchdowns. And um, that those are the things that we've done a good job of really in the second half, but it's taken us a little bit longer to get going than we would have liked and, and I think you know it's not just what you're saying it's the truth you know I, I got to do a better job for our offense 
He's the head coach of your Rams, Sean McVay, with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. The Rams are 3-0 in back-to-back seasons for the first time since the stretch from 99 to 2001. Uh, you told the assembled media just moments ago that you came away clean from Week 3 in addition to the victory. How are we doing with Austin Blythe and Tyler Higby looking ahead to Week 4? We're good. You know, if they continue to progress in the right direction, you know, we'll, hope, we'll be hopeful to have those guys against Tampa. Uh, Austin was a game-time decision where we worked him out right before the game. He made a lot of progress from what he had made on Friday's workout that we had with him. So if he continues to trend in the right direction, I think he can. I think we can expect him to be ready to go for Tampa. And then uh, as long as everything checks out the right way with Tyler, who's feeling good, uh, we should be in good shape with him as well. Gerald certainly hung in there, played all but two reps at tight end. But did you sense the absence of Tyler and everything that he does for both phases of your offense? I think, it's, I, I think Gerald did a really nice job. I think to be able to have those two spell each other uh, is something that you want and, uh, and, is, and is the ideal scenario for us. But I was really pleased with Gerald's ability to demonstrate that he can play on some of those early downs. Uh, certainly we did miss Tyler, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to have him back this week. With Blythe, it's like, don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. For, mo- for the most part, for other people that don't know how good he really is. Yeah. And how much that affects the offense when he's not there. He does. It, it does. And, and really, you know, you look at the rapport that exists between the offensive linemen and uh, the comfort level working, you know, in his, in his position, whether it be with Brian or with Rob, you know, when you're working in combination with your tackle or with your center when you're playing that guard spot. I think Jamil got a lot of valuable snaps over the last couple weeks uh, demonstrated that he's capable of being able to play and I think he'll have some things that he can learn from this and and you certainly did miss uh, Austin for sure though. One of my favorite parts of this show is when you clue us in to maybe your favorite play from the game that was or perhaps a wrinkle within the play that everyone saw but didn't see what all made it go. Any mm-hmm. examples like that from week three that come to mind that helped your team to a week three victory? You know, I, I think really the consistent pressure that we were able to apply throughout the game really, for the most part, activating just a four-man rush mm. was, was a huge theme of the game to be able to kind of get Baker off of his spot, be able to play some different coverage concepts on the back end where you're lending presence to some of the elite play makers they had and then I thought really that four play sequence at the end of the game to be able to bring an all-out pressure all right and then to be able to bring some different things that look similar but playing some coverage principles at the end kind of kept them off balance and and really you know to be able to close that out with a win was was big time it seems like AD is rewriting the rule book for D tackles yeah defensive lineman period it's unbelievable yeah I mean he's the the influence that he makes on the game is not exclusive to you know it was good for him to be able to get on the uh you know the sack chart last night but whether it's drawn holdings, uh, influence in the way that the turn of the protection goes. He's doing so many different things. I mean, there was a two-play sequence where he ends up retracing on a second and ten, makes a great tackle on Chubb, and then on third down and two, they try to run it, and he makes a tackle in the backfield. But you just look at the effort that he displays, uh, snap in and snap out, and then just how he can close once he ends up beating a guard quickly. It's I haven't seen anything like it. That's not your gap, but you're still making plays. He's, he's, the, great <laughs> ones, the great ones can play in the gray. Right. <laughs> you mentioned that final four play sequence on defense I'm sure you're anticipating all different scenarios as you're watching that transpire but did you sense the Browns might have gone for two had they found that final touchdown I think they might have you know I think in that you know that situation where you if you feel like you've got a play that you like and uh with some of the momentum that they might have had had they scored right there I think that was something that we thought was potentially going to going to occur but there was a lot of confidence in our defense's ability to get the stop I mean four long downs but they did a great job and and I thought uh you know it was it was a long sequence but it was a sequence that was indicative of the kind of night that they had where they just handled things seamlessly and, and did a great job. A lot of sudden change situations that we want to avoid putting our defense in, and uh, they handled it pretty seamlessly last night. Because suffice it to say, if the shoe was on the other foot, you would have been thinking about two, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, if, if, if we're, we're playing to win the game for
for sure. All right, coming up next, we'll talk some offense. And does Sean McVay feel like his group is close or has a long way to go? More on the Coach McVay Show as we anticipate week four in a home game against the Bucks. live on ESPN LA 710. Here's the snap, here's the throw, it's cut again at the goal line, crossing right to left. His second score, a career high, 11 receptions, and the Rams take the lead. With 12.48 to go in regulation, 16-13 L.A. All right, Cooper Cup with back-to-back fantastic performances. A good note here from ESPN Research. He was the first Rams player with more than 10 catches, 100 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns since... Torrey Holt in week six of the 2003 season. Another fantastic wow, game for huh? Cup. We'll talk more about him in this segment with Sean McVay. But uh, first, kind of big picture on the offense. Do you feel like you're getting there? Do you feel like you're just one game from being completely on track and back where you have been in a previous couple of years? Yeah, I think we've got to do it. You know, we, we can say it. I, I think the thing that we're encouraged about are the things that we're seeing that, that are not enabling us to be able to operate at the level that we expect to are very correctable. Um, these are things that we feel like are, are fixable are things that, you know, a couple plays here and there, and it changes kind of the narrative for the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we can talk about all we want. We've just got to go get it done. And, and I got to do better. We, we'll do better as coaches and players alike. And, and that's where it's exciting to be able to have these learning lessons, uh, when you're being able to win. And, um, you know, that's the goal as a team is to be able to do that. I think there have been some things in the first couple games, especially where, uh, maybe you end up playing with a lead and, and we end up playing to win the football game as opposed to kind of accumulating numbers but then yesterday really represented a chance where we had we had some things that maybe could have worked out in our favor we ultimately didn't do it as a group and and that's where um they made enough plays to be able to win the game which is the most important thing but i think there were some things we left out there and and some things that um you know we can all be better on as we move forward coaching is fixing it's putting out fires daily right but does the fixing delay the process for you like we need to be ahead of where we are, but now we have to fix what we just did wrong first. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it yeah. does. I, I think, you know, you want to be able to be able to get things corrected before you move forward. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a certain approach and in a way that you want to go about that, DeMarco. And, and I think for us, before you start moving on to the Bucks, let's make sure we don't overlook what occurred with the Browns, looking inwardly at ourselves in terms of what we can do so that if some of the things that maybe hindered our ability to execute at a high level in the first three weeks do present themselves again, uh, we're ready to handle that accordingly before you end up moving on to maybe what's specific to some of the things that they've done in their first three games. How unique was that circumstance last night where you know that they're down an entire secondary and a starting linebacker going into a first half like that? Yeah, it was unique. Um, you know, and they've done a good job of playing a lot of guys so that they had some depth. You know, whether you see Kerry, Eric Murray, you see uh, some of the different guys that were playing had actually played in the first couple games and gotten a good amount of experience because they play a nickel defensive structure in a lot of instances anyways. But they were missing some big-time guys with their whole back end and, and in Kirksey. But they still have a really good front that does a nice job applying consistent pressure and and to their credit I thought they put together they did a good job they had a nice plan and um, they made it difficult on us don't you wish you can sneak up on people still you know, it seems like you're everybody's big game. They always bring their A game against you now. Don't you wish you can just sneak up on people now? No, I, th- I think, uh, you know, I, I, I would look at it as if, if that's the case, DeMarco, it certainly is a blessing. And it's a great challenge for us to have to bring it every single week and make sure that we can never have any sort of lull. And, and there's always got to be that sense of urgency. And, um, you know, what you want to see from us is, is just continuing to get better. You know, there's we know for sure we've got 13 games left. When you really look at the entirety of a season, we're in a good spot where we want to be 
right now, but there's a lot of improvement really in all three phases, as good as certain um, you know phases of our team have played in, in spurts. But uh, there's a long season. There's a lot of football left to be played. And, and uh, you know, last time I checked, they don't stop it after three games. <laughs> the Coach McVay Show is presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, live here in Thousand Oaks. What is it about those extra few minutes you get at halftime? Is it getting everyone in the same room, having some peace and quiet, some calm? Like, what is it that allows you to turn halftime adjustments into second-half success? Well, I think it's the players' execution. I think it's them being able to translate some of the information that we've gotten. And it, always, it, it doesn't always go great, but I, I think, you know, when you look at the way that we've started, hasn't been up to our expectations in the first half, but our guys have done a nice job making some adjustments, being able to understand, all right, here's the things that we want to be able to get done. And I think the challenge for us, JB, is making sure that as coaches, we get that done sooner if some of the sure. things happen a little bit different than what we anticipated. And and now going into week four, having had, you know, really three weeks of experience in this season, our rapport as a coaching staff, how we get it communicated to our players, uh, we expect to see ourselves evolve, adapt, and do a better job adjusting in a, in a quicker in a quicker fashion uh, if those things come up in the future. Go ahead and flip over a Gatorade table one time. Just go ahead. Yeah. You know, punch <laughs> no, a hole in the wall. No. You know, <laughs> even, even if it's not warranted, just have some fun with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go into some of the Cooper Cup plays. He was the offensive star last night. A good night from Brandon Cooks as well. But what he's done over the last two weeks, pretty special stuff. It really has been special, and uh, a lot of really important and timely conversions that he's had. Uh, he's he's consistently separated. He's caught the ball really well, and, and he's been a huge contributor, and it's not exclusive to what he's done with the ball either. You look at Todd Gurley get over there and pick up that edge rush to Jared's right, I think it was, on the second touchdown. Yeah. I mean, even though it's Cooper who's showing up in the box score, it's kind of emblematic of the team having success on those plays. That play right there is a great demonstration, similar to one we talked about against the Saints. Uh, that right there is team football. That looks sharp, crisp execution. A third down and six. They basically bring a zero-type pressure. The line per- picks up the backer coming off the left edge. Todd comes across to pick up the secondary from the right. It enables Jared to be able to hit his back foot, delays the the add-on by Schobert, and, and here comes Cooper Cup on a crossing route wide open. And, and those are the kind of things that we expect to show up and we want to see those kind of plays consistently executed where all 11 are on the same page. Not a physical thing, but what is it about him that makes him so good? Cooper, Cooper Cup, yeah. Uh, it's the combination of ability and smarts. You know, I mean, he's he's got great ability that he's blessed with. He works really hard, but he's so smart, knows what to anticipate. And, um, you know, when you combine all those things uh, with a good work ethic and, and you know, then, then you see those things end up show up on Sundays. Does he bug you during the game, like ask you questions? Is, is he in your ear or is he just Only in, in his own world? No, I mean, he's he, he asks great questions. It's not anything that bugs you. It's just making sure that he's understanding and, and kind of wants to make sure that we're all on the same page so he's he's a great communicator he has a great feel for the flow of the game and you know there's certain players that you that you know you can really trust the information that they're giving you based on the perspective and the vantage point that they have and he is certainly one of those guys on the tv copy uh, chris collinsworth did an amazing job picking up i think it's the second drive you had third and five and what cooper cup did from the right slot getting you in alignment on the left side so that that play worked yeah i mean that was a miscommunication really that we had and and really kind of just fighting through the down where we kind of had a little bit of a mix-up, not sure what personnel we were in, and certain guys were aligned in some different spots. But for Cooper to have the presence, play clock taken down, realize that Brandon was the single receiver on the other side off the ball. He was actually getting ready to motion across, and we, you know, there was mass confusion. He straightened it up from the number two spot to the field, uh, getting Brandon on, and then the ball snapped. Jared hits him on a screen, and he ends up getting six, seven yards. Unbelievable job. And that play right there is, you know, I didn't – they had asked me that earlier today. They said that they had highlighted 
appreciated that. And, you know, when you're watching the game film on the way home from the flight yesterday, you're thinking, this guy is so special. I mean, and th- that play is a, is a great representation of he, that. He changed his alignment? Or just I mean, move guys we were in an illegal formation, yeah. so so we basically had three receivers to one side, and Brandon, based on the personnel grouping that we were supposed to be in, but not everybody knew that, was going to motion across. Well, he happened to be the only single receiver left on that side, so Cooper had the presence to see the clocks at 5-4. He waved him on so that we were in a legal formation, and then Brandon got on, got set just in the nick of time, ball was snapped, and then Cooper ended up catching the screen and converting wow. on the third down. How it was it? unbelievable. That's 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 crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. To the extent that you're able, I would love to get some kind of context on these six-man fronts that everyone seems to be talking about and showing you and yep. just, you know, from the amateur's viewpoint, like what can you disclose to us about what challenges those present and ideally how do you defeat those? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really they they've done a good job, uh, you know, we're seeing a, a good bit of those similar to kind of some things that we had seen in the Super Bowl and um, you know, really, it's it's really just about execution. You know, it's it's certain bodies are in some different spots where they got some overhang guys, but it's really about us executing, and, and that's kind of goes back to some of the clarity where, all right, hey, it's just this defensive structure, n- nothing different than a lot of the normal ones. Mm-hmm. They're just doing certain things with with some different bodies that we're typically accustomed to being off the line of scrimmage, and um, you know, that's that's us being able to do a good job of working through to make sure that the players know exactly what we want, uh, how we want to be able to try to activate certain things based on what that front structure is accompanied with coverage wise and and that's those are some of the things I talk about where I got to do a better job for our players so not a new scheme just yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like anything else. There's some different schemes that go about, you know, kind of in cycles and in circles, and, and this is something that's been, uh, you know, you see it kind of just spliced around the league, and um, it's 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 had some success in some instances, and it's something that we've seen show up a handful of times in the first three weeks, and, and it's something that I think we can expect to see as we move forward, and, and that's that's what's a great challenge. That's what you love about it, and that's why you do some work during the week and, and make sure that uh, you have good plans accordingly. Is it an oversimplification to say that, you know, when the criticism is, well, where's Todd Gurley? Where's all that outside zone that was so effective for so long that that is designed to try and make you do something other than it? I think in a lot of instances, you know, it's designed to try to discourage it. But, you know, as this as the, uh, you know, second half went on, guys did a good job of being able to get some solid hits. You know, uh, it wasn't the big 20, 25-yard runs that we've been accustomed to. But I think, you know, I think for us it's just about, hey, let's just look at ourselves critically. Let's figure out what we can do within the framework of everybody's individual role to do a little bit better, and then we're hopeful that some of those things that we've seen will will start to show up more frequently than not. Next on the Coach McVay Show, a special night in Cleveland for the Matthews family. Clay Matthews with a great start to his Rams career. We'll cover that when we continue live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. The Rams bring four. Mayfield retreats to his goal line. In trouble. He's hit. He's sacked again. It's Clay Matthews with his second of the night. He flexes as the Rams' defense gets a three and out. And through three weeks, Clay Matthews has already exceeded his sack total from 2018 with the Packers. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, the head coach of the Rams. Sean McVay is with us. Uh, not just his performance on the field, but all the peripherals with his father going into the Ring of Honor in Cleveland last night all added up to a special win. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool for for Clay's family uh, to be able to be there playing on the opposing team, you know, and then for him to play the way that he did, and you see him leaving with his dad's jersey mm-hmm. on. It was it was a pretty special night for that family. That's a special family, and Clay has been outstanding through three games for us. I saw his dad walk off, and I thought I, I still wouldn't try him. 
Yeah. Even at that I, age, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. <laughs> we got him too. Yeah. We need that third sack, right? That yeah. run by Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I they, know, right? They, it was a TFL, but not Send a sack. I don't know. I don't know how that exactly is tallied. It, 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 three sacks for us. Yeah, I would, Thank I would you. agree with that assessment. Yeah, I, I just love watching him play. He's technically sound from his stance to his start to his finish. I mean, he just knows how to play football. Yeah, you you know what? That's a great point, DeMarco, because he's so efficient when you watch him and you see his get-off. And, and that's one of the things that even since being around Wade that I've really come to appreciate that he notices some of the intricacies on how efficient is your first step? Are you are you drop-stepping? Are you wasting that first step? And Clay's so efficient with all of his movements. He does a great job playing with his hands. Um, and, you know, I've even talking to Wade about it this morning, you know, he's really your ideal Sam linebacker in your base situations and then when you get into your four down rush packages the way that you can move him around uh, he's been outstanding if I was a young guy if I didn't know what to do and you know what it is in the league when you don't know what you're doing I would just do exactly what he did. Yeah. I would no. just mimic everything he did. That's right. Yeah. When, when you got a guy that's been doing it at such a high level for so long, uh, you know, we say it all the time, I, I see better than I hear, and it's one of those deals, watch him, and, uh, and, and that's usually going to make you right. You talked about some of those sudden change situations in Sunday night's game, and I was reading Bill Barnwell this morning. He pointed out that the Browns had drives starting from their 38, 43, 49, and plus 18, yeah. and got three points combined from it's un- those. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and really, I mean, you, you can't say enough about what the defense did. To be able to just seamlessly handle those things, you know, you look at where they started their drive, you know, that ended up leading to the end of the game sequence. You look at the two-minute situation, that was the only drive that they ended up getting points off mm-hmm. of. So our, our defense a, as a whole was outstanding, and that's why really we gave the entire coaching staff, defensive coaches, and, and all the defensive players a game ball because that performance was representative of, of everybody being deserving of that. I heard Michael Brocker say something right after the game. Made my hair stand up. I love this team, and we always have your back. And he was talking to Jared. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we got your back. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, and, and I think that really is is indicative of this team, you know, with all three phases. And in a lot of instances, you know, didn't need it much. But when, when, the, when, the, when they made a couple plays offensively, the offense ended up responding. But there's been a connection that exists where, hey, it's about winning the game as a team, however we end up getting it done. And, and what Mike said is exactly what we want to be. Talked about the rush and the able to do it with just four players. Uh, how about some of the coverage? And in that last angle stand, you get pass breakups from Samson, from Rap, and JJ ultimately with the interception and coverage. Yeah, it, it was it was incredible. You know, to be able to on the first down to be able to force the ball to come out quickly with the pressure that we ended up bringing. Then you end up seeing when they try the rollout, Samson gets the bat down. Third down, Taylor Rap ends up batting it against the goalpost. You know, doing a great job of being smart, but being in a great position where they can't get that ball in there. And then uh, we know what happened on fourth down where JJ. You know, he gets flushed to his right, and, and J.J. ends up making a great pick to close it out. So a lot of great coverage throughout the night, especially when you look at the explosive playmakers that they do have. When you're looking at Odell, as explosive as it gets, Jarvis Landry's a really great football player. So um, to be able to keep those two for the most part in check and, and limit the big plays was, was outstanding. Those RPOs are interesting, man. They are. The way and, they run the offense, yeah. And he does a great job executing it. You know, you see Cooper, can, you see uh, Baker Mayfield can speed it up and, and be able to get to some of those windows that, are, that end up being vacated as a result of some of these run actions and how it conflicts the second level players with some of their gap fits depending upon what principle we're in so it's it's definitely some it's it's a tough situation and they do a nice job executing and I think our defense to their credit made them earn and, and execute at a high level with the couple ones that they did uh, end up having some success with these things are all cyclical I know but given how prevalent it's become in the college game especially is this RPO going away or is this going to become the norm I think it, I think you know it's definitely something that if it fits within the framework of your player skill sets and what you 
want to do schematically. I mean, it's a sound play, you know. Now, um, depending upon what people do on the back end, you know, and are you able to still legitimately create some of those voids, you know, where it, it usually works best against some of those zoning looks. But you see in man coverage, if you've got some man routes where it slants or things like that, so it's a sound, it's a sound, you know, offensive scheme that I think ends up kind of gaining back some numbers. So I, I don't think you can expect to see it go anywhere if it fits for the teams. And I love the pursuit. I think pursuit kills pretty much every offense. If you're pursuing to the football, big gains become short gains because everybody's running to the ball. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that the great defenses do, they make they make offenses earn every single yard. And I thought, uh, you know, that, that's what our defense did last night. They, they made their offense earn every single yard. They didn't give anything up cheap. And um, that's usually indicative of a great defense because guys are pursuing to the football and, and making them earn every little bit. One thing I noticed about your safeties, all of them, when they hit ball carriers, they go down. Yeah, they do. It's you know they're they're great rap tacklers and they do a good job. You know, you even look at when uh, you know one of those plays gets sprung out and, and what a great job that that Weddle does to be able to get guys down in a hurry. But I think he and JJ and both Taylor Rap, you know, really and, and Taylor Rap in addition to those two do an ex- do an excellent job and they arrive violently. I mean, it's tough to get the right angle and to make that guy go down on first contact when you're playing that position. It really is. You know, Coach Evero talks about it all the time. You got one shot to find an angle and, um, you know, long stride, short stride, shuffle, shoot, you know, all those little mm-hmm. coaching points. You can see it show up and, and we'll have a good teach tape uh, of what it looks like, especially as a deep defender to come out of the post or the half field and be able to close and make some close quarter tackles. Again, there's Weddle after making big plays standing on the sidelines next to me like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. He's into it, isn't he? Yeah. This is what what I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impressive. He's uh he's into it. He loves football. He loves this team and uh, he has been uh he's been outstanding for us through the first 3 weeks. Make Taylor wrap room with him. Yeah. Yeah, soak up everything. That's right. Yeah. Just want to devote a little bit more time to the mental side of things because for all the physical attributes that these players have, how much have they won in these last 3 weeks with the between the ears stuff that we saw all the way back in the offseason program? Yeah, I think in a lot of instances, you know, this game is there there's so many different things especially on both sides of the ball that require communication, adjustments, uh, understanding some of the nuances and intricacies that we can activate based on whether we're playing on defense or offense. And I thought our defense's ability to make sure that in a lot of instances, uh, we had some calls predicated on, all right, where was Odell? Where was Landry? How did that affect the way that we wanted to be able to play some coverage principles? Is he the single receiver? Is he the, is he the number one receiver to a three-man surface? You know, so there's so many layers to it. Our coaches do a great job of getting it communicated, and then ultimately it's about the player's ability to execute in crunch time and and when you're operating quickly was there a return in the game a punt a kick return i think they're all fair caught what right oh, i was thinking kick off so yeah went into the end zone yeah yeah uh yeah great day for special teams yeah. when mechanically you're great you're getting the ball out there's no pressure there yeah, yeah. no it, it was good yeah um, you know i i know the expectations that greg has for himself he always wants to be perfect but for the most part you know i thought special teams were solid again when Johnny Hecker goes out there trying to kick the left half of the football and make it helicopter out of bounds, are you aware of that, or would you prefer not to oh, know that? Well, he's... when he ends up dropping it in there like a sand wedge, just being able to have a nice draw to it, uh, he can do whatever he wants. But it's uh, the things that he's able to do in terms of you know you just see how talented talented you know that that Johnny is for him to be able to try all these things and then ultimately to be able to execute it uh, when the lights come on is a totally different deal. But he can certainly do it. Next on the Coach McVeigh Show, questions from our audience, a segment we call Audibles, and we will lead off with, will Todd Gurley make a resurgence in the Rams' passing game? That's as we continue the Week 4 edition of the Coach McVeigh Show, live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. 
All right, welcome back to Cal Lutheran, and we go to our segment called Audibles. Your questions from social media directly to the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Looking forward to week four at the Coliseum. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in town to take on the undefeated Rams. Uh, Sean, probably no surprise, but the most popular question this week had to do with Todd Gurley. Mm -hmm. Many different variations from lots of different people. It boils down essentially to... Why aren't the Rams throwing to Todd as much as we've seen in the past two years? Yeah, you know, it's it's there's no particular reason. Um, you know, I, I think more than anything, it's just like I continue to say is I just got to do a good job of, of giving us a chance to have success offensively earlier on, uh, get some different things activated. And when we really are, are ahead of the sticks, you know, we got a chance to kind of get a lot of different guys involved. And um, those are things that, you know, part of our job and my job is, is to make sure to, to put the ball in, in our playmaker hands like like uh, like Todd is in, in different ways and not exclusive to running the ball. So I don't really have any excuse except for i got to do better. Uh, Robert, with our next question in audibles, is there a specific coach or two you tend to talk to during the game that helps keep you on track? Uh, you know, we talk to I think there's so many coaches, you know, that are, that are instrumental in our success and really it's an open line that we have whether it be on offense, defense, you know, even Bones has a headset, so um, really it just depends on which, you know, which, you know, unit is out on the field and how that kind of conversation goes, but everybody has an important role during the game. Whatever get crowded? Feels like a lot of voices in one yeah, headset. You guys have a good feel for when the right time is to speak and, and different things like that, especially based on if, it, if a guy's sending in a play call to our defensive, you know, players or our offensive players. And so um, there's there's a good uh, etiquette that our guys display on the uh, on the headsets. <laughs> that means shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Todd has a lane, when Todd does receive a, a, a pass or a rush attempt, he looks like Todd to me. He does. Same guy, yeah. He's done a good job. I thought he had some really hard-earned runs, you know, hard-earned yards yesterday, especially with some of the different looks that they were presenting but but he had some tough timely runs that we needed to have I thought even to start out the first half or start out the second half on that drive where he gets two consecutive runs to get us into a first down and then we can kind of get rolling I thought uh, he did a really good job Next question from Cub. When opposing teams scheme for Aaron Donald, does that open up blitz packages for the defense and other players? Yeah, you know, the nice thing about Aaron is, um, you know, you always want to do a good job of trying to put him in good spots, but then because he is such an elite player, it does, uh, you know, ultimately create some some good matchups for some other guys, and uh, that's what makes Aaron special. And the other guys, the guys that play when he's not in there. I thought Tenzel Smart's getting better. Yep. Morgan Fox is getting better. Sebastian Joseph Day, if he stays on side, is getting better. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to continue to learn, but but I think uh, overall Eric Henderson and Thad uh, have done a great job continuing to develop the depth on our D-line, and those guys have played well, especially some of our guys that, you know, some of the guys that you don't hear get a lot of credit, but they've done a nice job coming in and supplementing those uh, those bigger name guys in, in some very important moments. A segment we call Audibles, questions from social media directly to Sean McVay, Ram's dad with our next. Uh, do you try to mix up who runs short, intermediate, and deep routes so that teams can't predict predictably sit on the routes based on the receiver who's running. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of uh, what we do is, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're aware of what are the things that we've done uh, and making sure that you give guys complimentary cuts, different routes uh, so that it does make it, you know, a little bit more uncertain in terms of what you can expect. And that's the nice thing of having really receivers that we feel like can do a little bit of everything in Mm -hmm. terms of they're not just exclusively a shot guy. Really, we've got complete receivers on our group and, and that enables us to be able to give them more route versatility. There was one instance where Josh Reynolds made a nice catch in the game and unfortunately because of circumstances you had to take a time out there right before it happened but it made me think 
how much would you like to get him going in this season as you play game four? Yeah, you would. You know, and that, that's the tough thing is, is he's such a great player. And, and fortunately for us, we've got a lot of great players yeah. that are capable and deserving of getting more touches. And, and in order to be able to get the ball spread around a little bit, I think we've got to be able to sustain some drives, get some more snaps off. And, um, you know, I think you can see those things end up naturally taking care of themselves as we continue to have a little bit more success offensively as a whole. And, um, you know, that's a big focal point for us moving forward. I'll turn it over to Jason. He asks, how much do you feel the changes to the offensive line, including the injury yesterday, might be responsible for slow offensive starts? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I think uh, there's a lot of different reasons why things haven't gotten, you know, done to the level of, you know, standards and expectations that we have. But um, long season, there's a lot of things that I think, you know, we talked about it today as an offense. Let's everybody just do a little bit better. And if, if we can have everybody look inwardly and execute at a little bit higher level, one snap at a time, we think that'll result to good things. Don't you love trying to figure out the puzzle, though? Come on. Oh, yeah. It's fun, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, yeah. I, I know it gets frustrating, but I mean, it's fun trying to figure out how to get better. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 part of what you love so much about this league is that whether you won or lost yesterday, it's time to move on, figure out a way to not avoid some of the things that you got to do better and then make sure that, you know, face it, fix it, and then you do it better next time and, and you get it next time, you know, most weeks unless you're on your bye. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we've seen some extra linemen eligible, some uh, unbalanced formations from opponents of late. Mike asks, what are the advantages and disadvantages schematically of heavy packages is either with two tight ends or possibly an extra lineman reporting eligible? Well, in a lot of instances, it depends on what that defense's adjustments are to those certain things. If you feel like you can create some leverages, some angles, what it does do is, is it limits a, you know some of the eligible threats that you have in the pass game, and it can enable defenses to do some different things structurally. But a lot of those things, uh, if you see them or if you decide to activate, those are a result of, all right, how does that, uh, in essence, affect the way that a defense has to adjust, and does that give us an advantage? All right, we're looking ahead to the Bucks next in a home game at the Coliseum. Another potent pass rush coming the Rams' way, including a former teammate and the NFL sack leader. We'll discuss with Sean McVay as we wrap up the Coach McVay Show live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. How about this? I thought this was cool. The Rams are one of seven teams at 3-0, and and it's the second time in NFL history, 1998 the other, there are actually eight teams unbeaten through three weeks when you add in Detroit with the tie but no losses. And then four of those teams are going to face off this coming weekend. Patriots at Bills, Chiefs at Lions. As for the Rams, they're home at the Coliseum against the one and two Bucks. Coach, do you still subdivide the season into four quarters? And if so, does this make this coming weekend the end of quarter number one? Yeah, I, I think it's always good to be able to, when, you, when you've when you got the entirety of a 16-game season, find a way to just create those small milestones that you want to try to temporarily accomplish. But really what we've kind of taken an approach to more than anything is let's go one game at a time you know, and, and try to really just do a good job of seeing if we can go 1-0 and this week. And I think it is helpful to say, all right, if you just look back at the narrative in terms of what it takes to give yourself a chance to compete after the regular season's over, if you usually go 3-1, and one, uh, that's that's usually good enough to be able to get in. But kind of what we've done this year, and, and I don't know necessarily know if it's any for you know any particular reason other than just kind of producing and staying in the moment, and let's get better today. Let's find a way to try to just go 1-0, and correct the things that we can correct from the previous week. And fortunately for for us, that's worked out through three weeks. You can rush the passer. You can rush the passer. I'm just, but I am happy you're home. Crowd, the crowd knows will benefit you, not them. 
Yeah, and and you know what? I, w- I would say that uh, it's it's a benefit for our offense to be able to operate in the absence of noise. And then our defense, though, there's still some communication that's required, but it's going to be great to be back at home. I think, uh, you know, it'll be nice to not have to travel, you know, being able to go across those couple time zones and, and then especially playing on Sunday night, getting back when you do. Um, not an excuse at all. We have to find a way to go get it done, but to be able to stay at home and, and play at home this week for week four is going to be good for us. DeMarco says pass rush. I think uh, the NFL sack leader Shaq Barrett for the Bucks. He's the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He was last week, but then this week, four sacks and two forced fumbles in a losing effort against the Giants. Tying in with Mark Gastineau, 84, most sacked by a player through the first three games of a season. Goes against left tackles coach. That means it's going to be a pretty good matchup with Witt, if that's how it goes. Yeah, he's done a great job, you know, and uh, it, it's been impressive to see what he's put on tape for those first three weeks, and uh, like, you, like you mentioned earlier when we were talking, it's, a, it's another week to see a great pass rusher. Oh, you know, we've seen kidding. a handful of them through the first couple weeks, and uh, you know, this week represents the same. Uh, he's Sean McVay. I'm JB Long. DeMarco Far with us as well. The Coach McVay Show presented by in and out that's what a hamburger is all about and Dominican Sue now in Tampa Bay as well yeah for giving you guys great reps last year yeah he did a great job for us uh, very thankful and appreciative for what uh, and Dominican did for for our team and the contributions that he made and in a lot of instances when you look at what he's done through the first three games for the Bucks is a lot of the same the versatility to move all over the front um, you know making an impact in a lot of ways and he's still very disruptive shake hands after the game that's right yeah not before yeah, yeah. <laughs> Memories of the box in Tampa Bay and your origins there, Coach? You know, it was the first year of, of coaching for me. Uh, great ex- great opportunity to work under Coach Gruden. Uh, learn from a lot of great guys that kind of were willing to kind of put their arm around me and help me learn and grow. But, man, I really didn't – I still don't know anything, but I really didn't know anything <laughs> back then. So it, it, it seems like an eternity ago now. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles now running oh, yeah. the show in Tampa Bay. Any thoughts or history there? Uh, you know, just a lot of respect for him. You know, going back to even when he was uh, Arizona's defensive coordinator before he was the head coach with the Jets, but uh, notoriously does an outstanding job. Aggressive uh, nature uh, will apply pressure to you, and, and that's why I think you you know. And then you see when he puts his, he puts players in good spots, so he does a great job. And really, we're excited to kind of dive into that tape. You know, really a lot of what today entails, especially getting back when we did. Let's clean up sure. the Browns game. Let's focus on ourselves, and then really, um, you know, later on in the day, and kind of once we finish up tonight, we'll really. Rep- Represent really getting into the early stages of the preparation where uh, tomorrow being the players' day off represents a great chance for us to really dive into the tape. Every time I hear Bowles, I just think blitz. I just think yeah. aggression. He oh, just he, comes he at you. Yeah, he's he going to get aggressive. You. No doubt. I look at their skill position players. Mike Evans, 190 receiving three touchdowns, one of a bevy of talents uh, that another number one quarterback coming your way has to use. Yeah, it's very similar to some of the the challenges that the Browns uh, pose for us. Uh, It will be very similar for what they do offensively from a personnel standpoint. Uh, You know Coach Arians and Coach Leftwich will be aggressive. Jameis does a nice job creating off schedule on his own, and uh, Mike Evans is always a threat to make the big play where he can go up over people, he can go by people, so he's one one of the premier receivers in this league for a reason. Well, they have 25 coaches on that staff? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of big names. <laughs> Lots of coaches they? on that staff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Time. Hope you'll join us at the Coliseum this Sunday for week four. The Rams are 3-0. and They've had to go to the Eastern time zone twice to get to this point. Come out and support them. TheRams.com slash tickets. TheRams.com slash tickets. We will see you on Sunday. DeMarco, have a great week. Sean, get some sleep. Yep. We're going we're gonna to head that way too. DeMarco, what are you working on? A couple hours? I'm going to sleep. He's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how have much a great more. Week. Preparation and coming up next, the Sedano Show here on ESPN LA 710.